What's up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to episode 123 of the Spun Today podcast. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. Thank you very much for listening. Not only am I the host of the Spun Today podcast, I am also the author of the subject of today's podcast, the debut novel by Tony Ortiz, Fractal. A time travel tale. If you're new to the podcast and would like to help support, is by becoming a patron. For more on that, go to patreon.com forward slash spun today. That's patreon spelled P A T R E O N dot com forward slash spun today. There you're able to make a financial contribution to the podcast on a reoccurring basis in an amount of your choosing, whether it be a dollar, two dollars, a couple G's, or whatever your heart desires. Again, for that option, go to patreon.com forward slash spun today. All right, let me stop. (laughs) Um, So I kind of teased in the last free writing session episode, episode 122 of the podcast, that I was going to put out a bonus episode uh the following week instead of waiting uh two weeks later how these episodes normally come out every two weeks but that didn't happen and i apologize for those of you that may have been waiting for it my initial thought at least at the end of that episode and around that time was to release this companion podcast to the release of my debut novel, which released on March 28th, 2019, which was last week, Thursday. However, due to some setbacks with uh, formatting of the paperback version of the novel, which I'm still having, but getting to the tail end of, which I'll, I'll get into a little bit later, all my focus and attention went there. And I didn't uh, separate enough time to record the podcast and it kind of sort of didn't feel right because a bunch of things were still up in the air. So I decided to hold off until I ironed out uh, some additional details and some things that came up that I didn't uh, consider coming up and some things I had forgotten about doing that I should have done. That includes things like different facets of the rollout strategy for the novel, which I'll I'll tell you what mine is a little bit later, Uh, the marketing strategy, you know, things that as a novice writer, as a, uh, you know, being a debut novel, I'm not a known author, are essential and important to even having half of a chance of selling some copies, which is still a long shot. But you want to at least uh, have these things in place and uh, set yourself up to succeed if people find the the book itself and, you know, if people uh, find it any good after actually finding it. So definitely no uh, delusions of grandeur here, but I have a very, if you build it, they will come type of mentality. I have a very set it and forget it, create something that you can copy, that you can replicate, that you can scale something repeatable. You know, what I've gone through and what I've learned and uh, taught myself and learned from others throughout this process of 
publishing my debut novel will serve as a strong foundation that I can build upon for book two and book three and so on and so forth. I definitely learned a lot more this time around than I knew at the time of releasing my uh, first nonfiction book, Make Way for You, Tips for Getting Out of Your Own Way, which is available now. And that's the way it's supposed to be, right? Each time you do something, you get better at it, you tweak things, you evolve the uh, things, you take out what didn't work, you add what, something new that might work, you keep what did work, etc., etc. So this is going to be my podcast dedicated to my debut novel, Fractal. I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about the story, what it's about, what to expect, and just uh, give you guys a peek behind the curtain at how the sausage was made. Because I personally love that behind the scenes type of uh, stuff. And I'm sure that if anybody uh, listening is also a writer and maybe working on their first book or maybe even already an accomplished writer in your own right, maybe you'll pick up on something that you didn't know or you didn't consider. And or maybe you can pick up on something that you see that I'm fucking up on that you have a better solution for and you can reach out to me through my website at spuntoday.com or just email me at spuntoday at gmail.com. All right, so first off, I want to go back to where this story came from. And it was funny. I thought it was, I knew it was, it was old, but I didn't know it was as old as it was. I thought it was like, I've been working on the book for like a year, maybe two. But I went back because I remember episode number 47 of the Sponsored Podcast, which is available for your listening pleasure. And I actually think you guys should go back and listen to it if interested in this kind of stuff. Because it was the first time that, you know how I share my free writing with you guys on the free writing session episodes and I, uh, you know, reflect on some like old writing and stuff like that. I had never, and I, I don't think I have since either. I had never shared the first draft of a short story. And, you know, my free, my normal free writing is, you know, just straight up free writing post. I free write it, you know, I have uh, a bunch of my notebooks and the ones that I, I cherry pick and I like, I transcribe onto the, my website at sponsor.com forward slash free writing. And I don't uh, change anything. You know, I put it out, you know, as it came out on from pen to paper, but with short stories, you know, those are like purposely crafted and, you know, trying to make them good and you know have a first draft second draft you know etc as many as many draft as it takes to make the story good sometimes i don't have more than like a draft and a half or like two drafts and those are the stories that you can find at sponsor.com forward slash short stories now i had never shared the first draft of a short story and the way i begin my short stories is that I I free write. Well, not really. Well, I guess you could consider it free writing because it's just, you know, like a, a brain dump of ideas for a specific story. So, yeah, it is, it is uh, free writing, actually, a form of free writing, but with that purpose of creating a short story. So I do that. 
and then I instead of doing it in like one sitting like I do with the free writing posts you know I could free write for a short story for days for weeks and you know keep going back to it and you know don't don't uh, read or, or write to it for a few days then go back to it after that and and so on and so forth and each story is different but that's the general process you know i free write when i feel um i have something to add to it and when i get stuck and i don't know where to go with the story i step away from it and whatever that's the generally the process right then eventually i transcribe it onto uh like microsoft word when i was using it back then or uh now i use scrivener I transcribe it and then I start, you know, molding the story and changing things and editing and, and, you know, writing my second draft and my third draft if necessary and et cetera. And I try to, you know, weave together some sort of narrative and I start figuring out, you know, what the story is about and all that good stuff. So I decided because I wanted to show that process of a story going from like a free, freely written post to a final product. Episode 47 was my showing the first two pages or two and a half pages and that I had at this point in time for a short story that I was planning on writing. Mind you, this is back in May of 2016, the f- between the first and second week of May 2016, because the podcast came out the second week, and I referenced in the podcast that the dream that inspired this free writing post was from uh, the Friday before. So it was like May 6th, May 13th, one of those two dates. So the first, second week of May. And the idea at the time was that I was going to share what I had so far. Then, you know, a few weeks later, share some more when I made some more progress and then eventually share the final product and then compare and contrast you know, on the podcast with you guys, how the first draft differed from the final uh, posted uh, short story, which to me actually sounds like a cool idea and something that I probably will do and revisit like sometime in the future. And in that episode number 47, I get into, you know, what exactly the dream was and stuff like that, which again, you guys can go back and listen to if you're interested, um, what the dream was that inspired the short story, etc., but making a long story longer, because I'm going to keep talking about it, <laughs> the I say all that to say that this that short story is what became this novel three years later. So for those of you that have been waiting on me to finish that short story and are wondering what the hell's taking so long and what happened to it, I apologize. But I didn't stop writing to it and like i always say which is something that i think is pretty cool about writing sometimes you or me sometimes i write and the you know the characters take on lives of their own and they take the story in directions that i didn't even anticipate and i let them speak to each other and when i let go and i'm just like the like vessel you know not to sound too to uh what's the word i'm looking for like i don't want to sound like i'm like full of shit or for like full of myself or anything like that because i'm definitely not but 
uh, pretentious is the word I was looking for. <laughs> the you know not to sound too pretentious, but I feel kind of like uh like when I'm writing just like a vessel, like I'm like the stories like flowing through me, and that's something that's not unique. I've heard writers and just different types of of creatives of spe- speak in that way about what it is that they do. So I know I'm not like special in that sense. And when looking at it through like a practical lens, it's kind of like a tool or a mechanism to like let go of your ego enough to allow yourself to like make mistakes and stumble and and just create. Right. Because that's what creativity is. Creativity is kind of like messy, like a free writing draft and things are like all over the place. And then you get to once you have the words on the page it's kind of like having now you have a canvas that you can work with and mold and shape and start like skilling and finessing and i think that part is just as fun as the free writing part and and the free writing part is exciting you don't know what's coming and you don't know what's going to happen and then but then the the other piece like the quote-unquote scientific you know making sure it has an inciting incident and a climax and a final payoff and the certain key elements that the readers expect to read in the type of story that you've written, making sure that they're in there, like the hero being at the mercy of the villain scene of a story. That's where like the scientific part of story crafting intertwines with the creative part of storytelling and that intersection like that's where the magic happens that's where the cool shit is and that's what i think i want to be able to continue to build on and perfect and do in ways that you don't see coming as a reader i'm sure like this book you know my first novel you guys will probably read it like and see shit coming a mile away hopefully not everything and hopefully the things that you do see coming, you still, you know, it's still maybe written in a way that you still want to read it. Um, but those are all skills that you develop over time as a writer. And as I continue on this journey, it's definitely my intent to hone and develop those skills. All right, so... If you go back to listen to episode 47 of the podcast, I'll tell you guys that this is some freely written uh, pages, two and a half pages to be exact, that I was inspired to write based on a dream that I had, an actual dream. Then I'm looking, I have the notebook in front of me right now, and I counted it up. I kept writing and, and writing and writing. I free wrote 30 pages of this same story. And before, because I don't necessarily finish it from A to Z. Like, I, I keep free writing until I know sometimes I do get to the end of it. And um, sometimes I get to a point where I know what I'm doing with the story. And then at that point, I want to start transcribing things. And um, so I did uh, 30 pages in my notebook before beginning to transcribe this onto Scribner. So I've mentioned this in previous episodes of of the podcast, but with this book, I decided to add one thing that 
I know I'll definitely be doing moving forward uh, with my books. And I didn't add another thing, which I will be doing in the future with my books. The first thing that I did add this time around, which I didn't have when I uh, put out my first book, is a professional uh, cover design, which is definitely a a must across the board from all the advice that I've gotten and that I've researched and across the board unequivocally like you can tell a you know slap together cover or a diy cover like the one i have for example with my first book make way for you which is a non-fiction book and it's uh kind of straight to the point but you can tell that it's not a, a professionally done cover versus a professionally done cover and aside from Obviously, having good content, it's one of the other two things that successful writers uh, state is a must to have. And once and it's a must to have in order to to, you know, have that much of a better shot in in selling. Because, again, ultimately, you want to set yourself up to have a chance of succeeding financially. And although I would gladly do this for free, which I clearly am doing it for free because I'm not making any money off of this, you want to set it up in a way that if people do deem it financially viable and want to buy your stuff, they can and you can profit off of the fruits of your labor and make money from your art. That would That's like the win-win for somebody that's creative, right? In a perfect world, I'd be able to quit my job and just do this for a living. So a cover design is, uh, professional cover design is definitely a key point. Aside from the obvious of having good content, which again, you develop over time. I told you guys in previous episode of the podcast that I use a service called 99designs. And I highly, highly, highly recommend it. It's very intuitive, very user-friendly, and the way it works, uh, you guys could go back and uh, listen to, uh, just search uh, recent uh, free writing session episodes where I told you guys, or maybe it was a random rant episode, where I told you guys about using uh, 99designs, or just uh, go on the, all my YouTube page, it'll probably be easier to find on there, just a, a, the isolated clip, search for like Spun Today 99designs, the number 99designs. And I tell you all about like how it works, but just to give you a quick overview. It's pretty much you fill out fill out this uh, short application, and you give details of uh, what genre your book is, and uh, do you like busy covers versus non-busy covers, and it gives you like a sliding scale from like zero to like a hundred or whatever it is, and it asks you like a bunch of different questions like that, like color schemes that you like, and it allows you to upload pictures of other covers that you kind of want your cover to look like or just symbols and shapes and any any kind of jpegs or pdfs that you want to upload to give the the graphic designer an idea of what you're looking for and you can write as much as you want and describe what you want and the idea is that the more detailed you are the more close to your vision the artists will create covers for you 
and it's set up in a contest uh, format where you submit all this and you begin the contest and literally dozens of different artists are going to start creating uh, cover designs based on your specs and they're going to submit I think I got like up to like literally 90s or 80 something like different cover design submissions and with each one you could you could you know rate it review it um con you know write back to the to the uh, graphic designer and tell them hey I don't like this you know orange color scheme could you do redo the whole thing but like like with the bluish color scheme and change the font for the title and my name doesn't look right down here in the back in the back cover and I don't like how you use this, blah, 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 whatever. You can give any and all feedback that you want. And it's cool because, you know, from a graphic design standpoint, like, that's their creative shit. You know what I mean? Like, that's what, that, that's, like, their shit that they fuck with. And it's cool when you cross paths with a designer that's taking their that's like as into what they're doing as you are with what you're doing. So there's some designers that, you know, kind of just, you could tell like just slap shit together and to see if you'll pick them. And there's some that like really pay attention to detail and put like cool shit that you didn't even consider, you know, based on your descriptions, but you know, they went to a different place with it creatively. And you're like, Oh shit. Now I like that. And then you tell the other artists about like that thing and they implement that and, their design and they change things up accordingly and the whole thing is like this narrowing down process where you uh pick like a top six after a few days you pick like a top six to continue working with and then you fine-tune like their stuff and then you eventually pick a, a number one finalist which is your book cover so it's this really cool collaborative process that I highly recommend. And and I wound up going with an artist uh, by the name of Mihai Costea. I credited him in my copyright page uh, of the book. Like I asked him, you know, like everybody has like handles and shit on, on 99designs. And I asked him if he was okay with giving me his like real name because i wanted to credit him in my copyright page and he was like so, like super appreciative he was like most authors don't think of that and you know he gave it to me or whatever and um i definitely would like work with him again in the future like my idea is now to uh you know have his like direct contact information and since he did although i would like to use 99 designs again and I definitely would if, like, it doesn't work out with him directly. But I would give him, like, first dibs and, you like, re you know, reach out to him, have his, his personal contact, reach out to him and be like, yo, since, you know, book two is part of the same series, I kind of want to keep the same, like, theme anyway, right? So who better to do that than the actual artist that put together the, the first cover design, which I think is super dope, by the way. And, uh, you know, I'll see how that goes. Uh, but if not, I would absolutely definitely use 99designs again. It is a bit pricey. Um, there are cheaper options out there in terms of uh, professional cover design. 99designs uh, costs uh, 400 bucks uh, for this uh, particular like package that I got. And there's a bunch of different like uh, podcast sponsors that 99designs uh, 
sponsors like different uh, writing podcasts so you get a free when you use like one of their promo codes that you can easily find by a quick google um you get a free uh, power grade upgrade like a 99 dollar upgrade to work with like top tier uh artists so it's like a 500 package they get it for 400 but it's still a little pricey there are cheaper options out there you could get you know you could buy like stock covers that are like already made kind of which are professional and good but not might not necessarily fit in with like your exact vision of of what you're looking for uh for your book and you can get stuff like that for like 100 bucks 150 bucks but i figured to you know i wasn't gonna waste money on editing which is the next thing that i'm gonna speak about but so i was gonna you know spring and go all out for 99 designs which i had only heard good things about and honestly was just like curious and interested in in uh trying out and i am not disappointed so editing i gave myself a kind of sort of a crash course if you will in editing which i know is not ever going to be as good as using a professional editor but editing is expensive for an editor like worth their salt like the the editor that i would use for the next book would be around the thousand to two thousand dollar range and some are even more expensive than that that's like on the cheaper side and there's different levels of editing that you guys can can uh uh look up you know whether it's copy editing or line editing or story editing and those different levels of editing dictate the price, but they also dictate like what type of editing. Like if you want an editor to give you ideas on your story and to, you know, maybe, you know, tweak this and maybe you go to, maybe you go into the, the love interest in the story too early. Maybe you should, you know, push that to later on in the book and kind of like that type of stuff is uh, like would fall under story editing, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, then you have like line editing, which is like a line by line go through and like spell checking and all that stuff. And you have, the, there's different levels of editing. And when I looked up initially, like pricing and stuff like that, uh, a lot of editors have like their packages and, you know, they have like different packages, like the gold package includes story editing and line editing. The silver package is line editing and copy editing and, you know, like stuff like that. Some of them will have just like straight word count, um, affiliated costs, you know, 50,000 words for copy editing or X amount, you know, $550. So I knew that for this story, my debut novel, I was going to go with the professional cover design, but I was not going to go with the professional publishing. And part of it is because I'm cheap. No, I'm joking. <laughs> part of it is because I'm, uh, I want to save that money. I don't want to invest, you know, two plus thousand dollars on my debut novel. Because although all the advice, again, that I've gotten, just like I got all the advice of, you know, you need a professional cover design. Um, I got the same advice in terms of editing. Like you need professional editing. I want to, one, have the frame of reference of kind of sort of seeing what editors go through with trying to edit it myself you know, to kind of get an idea of like what I'm paying for when I eventually pay for it. And 
and although of course I can't know exactly what it is that that they go through because that's like their shit you know what i mean like just like i can't graphically design my 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 own uh cover in as dope a way as uh mihai did i'm not going to be able to edit with the skill of a professional editor but i feel that i do get kind of sort of like a taste and an appreciation for what it is that they do so i kind of know what kind of sort of know what like what i'm paying for it's not as ambiguous to me or it's not going to be these time of time around i also want to have the direct contrast of all right book one professional cover design or no professional cover design no editing which was my non-fiction book right then book two my novel professional cover design no professional editing book three professional cover design professional editing and maybe i'll do like a lower tier of editing and then book four you know so on and so forth like build upon it and be able to personally compare and contrast differences in terms of sales in terms of 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 what i feel the quality of the book is in terms of how my writing improved by dealing and getting feedback and constructive criticism from from an editor etc so what i did was listen to a shitload of of and by shitload i mean a shitload of podcasts about writing and you know i've always listened to joanna penn's uh, creative pen podcast and that's been super instrumental in me even learning about create space and that there is this website that you can like print uh and sell your books through print on demand and now it's actually kdp select um, well, I actually learned that for the first time on, at a, uh, a book signing actually for a student of a professor of mine that he, he wrote like these, like three or four, like, uh, novellas and my professor told me about them and he was having like this book signing at a barber shop that he worked at. He was a barber. And he had like this little like table like set up in the back and a bunch of books and I just like sat down and like talked with him for a while and like I asked him about uh like you know how he got into writing and stuff like that and you know this is me in the very very early stages of you know I just used to free write I wrote a couple maybe like one or two short stories at that time and I wanted to get into writing. And it was just like very new and, and ambiguous to me. And he told me about the, uh, about CreateSpace. He was like, oh no, you know, you just upload this to like Amazon. They have this thing. And, you know, if people want to buy it, they buy it and you don't have to pay for anything. They, you know, it's like a print on demand service or whatever. And that was the first time I ever heard of it. Then, you know, I started looking it up when I got home and then I, in you know looking it up and researching i found joanna penn which is a, a very successful you know like multi six-figure income a year author but she has like i think now maybe like five or six non-fiction books and probably like 10 or a dozen novels at this point and she has a, a very successful podcast and she just had her uh 10th uh, year anniversary of 
you know, doing her podcast and her writing and, and as a career, basically. So I've gotten tons of gems from her and she interviews a lot of writers. So you get insights from, from those writers and she interviews editors and, and publishers and there's a wealth of knowledge and, and information there on that uh, that podcast. But that was definitely a big one. Another huge one in terms of getting into the weeds for editing is, and I couldn't recommend it enough, is the Story Grid podcast with Tim Grawl and Sean Coyne. Sean Coyne is a professional editor with over 25 years of experience. So just him speaking, you pick up on editing editing gems. The brilliance of podcasts is that you can rewind and pause and and replay them as much as you want. You know, they're like little like lectures in college or something if you could like rewind what the professor said. And you can take notes, all of which I did. And they have a website, storygrid.com, where they have like infographics and downloadable PDFs of the certain things that they speak about and they break down what an inciting incident is in a story that every story must have what the con- what a conflict is what climax is what the resolution is different key scenes that should be in a story what perspective is they break down how to figure out like what your genre is which is tougher than 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 you think like my book ultimately wound up being a I thought it was a thriller up until I was I think close to the cover design page i was just thinking thriller in my head thriller 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 and then everything i would look up it's like no way it's uh it's about you know there's time travel in the story that's science fiction and then there's a specific subgenre to science fiction which is time travel it's like oh shit then it has like some thriller aspects to it um but yeah they help you like break down to figure out where it is that you're going to like market and sell your book because you're not going to, you know, put it on the romance shelf if it's a horror book. You know what I mean? One huge takeaway that I got from listening to StoryGuard podcast, which I employed to the T, at least I think I did. And I think it was like one of the most, I guess, like the monumental pieces or tools that I used in giving my story some structure is the charge of a scene, the plus and minus charge of a scene. So they explain and break down on story grid podcast that a chapter is made up of scenes. A scene is Anywhere from like a thousand to fifteen hundred words, you know, it could be two thousand, it could be nine hundred words, but within that range, that's like one scene. And a scene is what you you're picturing in your head when I say scene. It's like one view, like in a movie. Like if you're in a movie, like one your if a conversation happens in one room and then the next scene is in a different room, that's another scene. You know, if the next shot is, you know, somewhere else or two other people talking that's a different scene and as you are like writing a story you you start seeing it in like these individual scenes so sean which again is a an editor with 25 years experience explains how each scene is supposed to have a positive 
positive balanced by a negative, meaning if it starts out positive, it has to end negative. Then the next scene, if it starts out, if the last scene ended negative, it has to start negative and then end positive. So you're going to have this plus, minus, minus, plus, minus, minus, plus, minus, minus, plus throughout your entire story. And that's what keeps the reader like on this little like mini roller coaster through the scenes, like ups and downs and ups and downs and ups and downs. And as a reader, it's kind of like the the beats and the flow, almost kind of like a trance they get into with, you know, the ups and downs and ups and downs and ups and downs. And it's just not like a straight line ups and downs. It's like as, you know, you're having it like an inciting incident, each individual scene at the scene level is still in that plus minus, plus minus, plus minus. It might be going, you know, higher and getting like more intense, but it's still plus minus, plus minus, plus minus, like the scenes. And then you reach the climax and then you come back down when you like zoom out to like a bigger view or a more like high level view, but still at the incremental scene level at the every thousand word or so count, it serves you well to have that plus minus dynamic going on. So to me, that was clutch. That helped me structure the story. That helped me move the story along. That helped me when I was stuck and I wrote a scene and I don't know like where I was going from there. It was, it was always like a go-to of, all right, so he just had a fight with this dude in the story. So that ended the scene, you know, a fight at the end of the scene, that's a negative thing. So I got to start off with, you know, like him still being pissed off or whatever in the next scene, you know, something is still negative and then eventually making amends or something like that at the end of that second scene or something else altogether positive happening, but something positive has to happen. Yeah. So besides those two podcasts, which were absolutely amazing and clutch, you know, there's a ton of different like blogs and uh, writing blogs and posts and tips that like some of which are the ones that I share with you guys on the free writing session episodes of the podcast in terms of like developing characters and how to write arguments between characters and how do you know whose point of view a story should be uh, told from in a particular scene and a bunch of stuff like that. I mean, like I said, it took me three years. So there's, you know, and it's not three years of every single day I was writing. You know, you guys know that from my uh, writing count that I share with you guys every month. But, and so, you know, some of those days that I was writing, I wasn't writing on this particular story, but for the the majority of the time over the past three years, when I was writing, it was towards this story. Not all, but the majority. And you know where I got actually on a, a, like a vibe, like a, like a long stretch of like good, consistent writing for this story was actually on the train, on the subway, on my way to work in the mornings. Like that was like, I would say three to sometimes five days out of five, I would write in the mornings on my phone, sometimes in my notebook, like in the beginning when I was like still writing, 
uh, in the notebook. But when I when I transfer to Scrivener, I have a Scrivener app on my phone, which is clutch also, because like I work on Scrivener at home on my Mac, but then on my uh, like I sync it, and when I open it up on my phone, it's whatever I wrote on my Mac is on my phone, and vice versa. So when I'm writing in the mornings on my way to work and then i i sync it then when i get home the we i open up scrivener again and it's on my whatever i wrote on the train that day it's on my mac and it's awesome and i couldn't recommend scrivener enough if you use microsoft word it's just as easy to use but imagine like microsoft words on steroids and it's It'll compile your books for you, meaning export your books when you're done into the format of a Kindle, into the format of iBooks, into the format of that you're going to need for the paperbacks. It does all that good shit for you. And it's not that expensive at all, especially for like what it does. I think it's like 40 bucks, maybe 60 bucks, but not more than that. All right. So in terms of a rollout strategy there's a a couple things that i picked up on from uh different advice again you know some authors like share what they do with their rollouts you know specifically to the t some of them are kind of vague about it and uh, some things you just come up with like on your own so i like cherry pick certain things that i like certain things that i came up with certain things that i like from different uh people different folks and i put them together and came up with my own like rollout strategy. And what the rollout strategy is, is pretty much how you're going to actually put out the book. Like my rollout strategy for my first book, for example, which wasn't that successful at all, <laughs> was, you know, I created it and just threw it up on Amazon. And if you listen to any of these podcasts or stories or or read articles of any of these writers that's like putting up a book with the expectation that that's it that's all you gotta do it's like it's like dropping a cup of water in the in a pool or in the ocean like it just dissolves it goes away it you know you'll get like one sale every fucking seven months or something like that you make a dollar from some random person in Nova Scotia, Canada, that decided to buy your book because they probably thought it was something else. <laughs> um, but with this, uh, uh, like a rollout strategy, you kind of sort of hedge your bet a little bit. And again, it's not something that's that works 10 times out of 10. It's just something that helps the possibility of selling more copies. So this is pretty much my rollout strategy. And what it is is just making sure that, you know, your ducks are in a row, your T's are crossed, your I's are dotted. And it's one, choose a publishing date, right? When are you going to put your book out? What date? And for me, that was March 28th, 2019, which happened to be purposefully my father's birthday, my father's 79th birthday. And that was a meaningful date for me, obviously, and uh, I wanted to uh, put it out that day. Um, part of your rollout strategy should obviously be that your book is done, your book is on point. So right now, for example, like I'm having issues with formatting 
in uh, uh, Scrivener formatting the paperback portion of my book. It's I keep tweaking it, and it's not coming out exactly right when it's uploaded to Amazon's site. So the way it works is you compile it. You know, you put in like your margin sizes, the size of your actual book, how much space you want on like the inside by the spine and the top and the bottom margins and the left and the right margins. And then you, you know, you want your chapters to start on the right hand side of a page. So if your book happens to have a chapter that would technically start on the left hand side of the page, like let's say chapter seven, you know, chapter six ends on the right. So chapter seven is going to start on the left, you have to insert like a blank page so that chapter seven could start on the right because most books, you know, the chapters start on the right hand side. So you want to do like little things like that that can get really tedious. And that's stuff that I'm like tweaking and fixing and trying to get just right. And it's a pain in the ass, which is why actually some people pay um, for matters. So that's another thing that you could pay for if you got to like that and if you want to do that. But, you know, I have the tool that does it and I just got to like sort of kind of figure it out. And once you do, you can just like set, save the settings and then you could just, again, scale it, you know, repeat it as much as you want thereafter. So I don't mind trying to figure it out myself. But yeah, you want to make sure your cover's done. You want to make sure your your book is is good in all formats. Again, having a PDF, having uh, a Kindle version or .mobi as it's called, which again, Scrivener does for you. And having a iBooks version or an EPUB, which a lot of other e-readers use that's the format that they use which again scrivener compiles for you uh writing your book description for amazon and for the different platforms that your book is going to be on which you don't think of necessarily but it's going to be like the first thing that people read when you know they're searching on amazon and they come across your book and they're like oh shit look that's a pretty cool cover let me see what this book is about they're going to read that little blurb that that's going to be your first sales pitch to them, if you will. So it takes some thought behind it. And also, you know, when you upload it in Amazon, and this is something that I found that maybe you guys find helpful. I did. When you are uploading that to Amazon, it's just like straight text. So it just looks kind of like dull and blah. But there is something called a book description generator. And I'll link to it in the episode notes uh, for you guys, which is at uh, kindlepreneur.com forward slash Amazon dash book dash description dash generator, where you can do things like highlight and italicize and bold and underline and stuff like that. And it generates this uh, HTML code for you that you can inject into or, you know, copy and paste basically into the Amazon book description field when you're getting ready to upload your book. And then on the Amazon page, you can see it however you actually set it up in terms of being bold and italicized and just doesn't look like plain text. So it kind of, it's kind of like a free little visual aid in helping your ad 
for your book like look that much better when people are scrolling and i'll read you guys my description for fractal in a bit let me finish telling you guys about the uh, rollout strategy here then all right so that's all about making sure all your shit is on point the epub and mobi file the pdf the print book uh set your launch price um which in terms of releasing there's like a uh the strategy that i decided to copy was release it uh, do a soft release of 99 cents well first of all set your target prices what what are your prices going to be at the end your digital copy you're going to sell it for 2.99 to 3.99 um that's usually like the going range you know and it depends on what type of book is it is it a non-fiction book is it a fiction book what type of fiction book is it how many pages is it what genre is it etc so mine is going to be around the 299 to 399 digital copy probably 299 eventually after all this like promo stuff then the print book uh you know it's a novel 55,000 words it's in the range of 799 to 999 i would say you know you have outliers that are a bit more than that, like fourteen ninety nine, twelve ninety nine. Um, I'm gonna make mine most likely eight eighty eight, just because my favorite number's eight. It's in the range, and I just think it. I don't know, aesthetically, it looks cooler, looks different, and might catch people's attention. And that's gonna be the eventual price for my print copy. So I have that like set and established, right? So, but during the soft launch, what you do is you set your book. Uh, your, your digital book at uh, 99 cents for about a week or so week week and a half and then you uh, you can set up five days of free of you, your book for free on amazon and you can split up that you can do like two days in a row three days in a row four days in a row and then you know wait a week and then one more day for free after that you know what i mean so you have a total five days for this promotion so the strategy that i'm copying is in about a week and a half or so i'm gonna set it for free for three days straight on a thursday friday saturday then the price is gonna go back to 99 cents for about another week and then it's gonna go back to free for the remaining two days for uh sunday monday or saturday sunday and then after that final promo run it's going to go to its set price of 299 and then uh and the print book copy is obviously going to stay the same at 888 and concurrently while these while this is happening while these uh like the promos are happening for free i'm going to purchase two promotional ads one is going to be through uh uh highly regarded james h mayfield which is cheap and i'm going to put that uh ad on the purchase his ad which is i believe 13 dollars uh to purchase an ad on on his site he has a following of 500,000 plus folks through his facebook page and and group that he has on his site 
and for 13 bucks exposure to 500,000 avid readers worth a shot and um uh comes highly recommended so again worth a shot for 13 bucks then the big one which i which is ad that i would run uh concurrently with a three-day free free promotion is uh through free booksy the free booksy ad is a bit more expensive but it's much more targeted and has just for straight science fiction fans uh 70 bucks gets you 116,495 supposedly rabid science fiction readers and again it's uh very highly regarded and popular in terms of book promotion used by successful authors and there are some others but you know being the first time around i'm just going to try those two see how it goes now why put the books out for free and why buy ads for them the idea behind it is to get people to download and read your book and give you reviews now what you want ideally by the time your book goes to to its set price like in my case the 299 and uh the 299 digital price you want your book to have been read downloaded and reviewed as many times as possible if that doesn't happen within this time window within this uh early like stage if you don't get you know a lot of reviews and stuff like that odds are the book is gonna have a very 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 slow rise uh if at all so the you know getting a bump in the beginning like you know getting 20 30 40 uh reviews in the beginning definitely definitely helps it uh, in terms of algorithm and uh coming up in the searches in amazon and not being all the way in the back like right now if you look for my book it's like in this you have to scroll through seven or eight pages on amazon in order uh to find it even if you search for it by name unless you put like the name the exact name subtitle and my name for it to like come up right away but reviews changes that so instead of being out of sight out of mind the more reviews you get the more exposure it gets kind of like podcasts right like when i ask you guys to rate and review the podcast the purpose of that is the more people rate it the more rises in the ranks and the more it's seen and the more people rate it the more it rises in the ranks etc etc and that in a nutshell is my rollout and marketing strategy for fractal and i'll definitely share with you guys down the line what worked what didn't work did i actually see a bump in reviews and and downloads with running those ads or did i not what was worth it what i would do again what i wouldn't do again and all that good stuff now in closing let me tell you guys a little bit about the book all right so like i said before if you go back to episode 47 of the podcast you'll get an idea of uh or a better idea of the origin story of this story while it was a plan to be a short story that evolved into this novel but what the story is essentially about is a group of people or a subculture that has the ability to travel through time it's not just like a handful of people that do it although my story focuses on us on a specific group 
of people. You have Hector, which is the main character. You have Miguel. You have Brant Centron, which is a, a name that also I had a dream about once unrelated to this uh, first dream. And I literally woke up and I wrote down the name Brant Centron because I thought it was like such a cool sounding name. And I wanted to like have him in a story one day. And so I included him in this. But I, I think like in the future, like I could write like more stories like just with like his character. Um, You have a character named Brooke. You have uh, uh, Charles, a.k.a. Charlie. Uh, you have Laura. You have Jake. You have a Dr. Feinstein. You have Hector's mother and stepfather. And Laura. Did I say Laura? And that's like the main group of, of folks. But it's this whole subculture of folks that can travel through time. And not everybody's in the know, like not everybody in the world, like the 7 billion people in the world, like they don't know about this, but there is a substantial amount of folks that do know. And the ones that do know kind of operate in this other space, like in this other plane of existence with kind of like the matrix, how you kind of like jack into the matrix and like do shit and, you know, go back out. In my story, you this sub group or subculture of folks that are in the know toggle through time and they do so by delving deeper into themselves through their subconscious through their dreaming and one of the lines in in the book which uh, kind of has like a double meaning is that they dream their dreams into existence and wake up to new realities and in this like subset of of people there you know you have a spectrum of folks you have people that go back to try to you know win the lottery and make money and and or folks that do some sort of personal gain whether it's like career related gains or financial or uh, just kind of like general like redos on life and trying to fix relationships or you have folks that use the ability to like enjoy certain things like uh there's people that like go back to like woodstock just to like smoke weed because that's like they're like potheads now so they go back and like they do like shit like that do like acid in the 70s and shit and go watch like Jimi hendrix play there's folks like in the government that use the the ability to spy and and surveil people and there's folks like the group that i focused on in this story which try to use the ability for good try to use the ability to right wrongs and correct injustices of the past and try to prevent casualties and tragedies that have occurred in the past without having the unintended consequence of creating a ripple effect of you know saving certain you know saving the lives of 10 people but then one of those people becomes a mass murderer that kills 100 people or something you know what i mean they have to like monitor that type of stuff whenever they go back and decide to make a change and as i usually write the uh, my stories are are very uh, character driven. I would say, 
you get to know each of them some more than others hopefully you find uh at least one but it should be more than one that you relate to on different levels and you connect with as a reader something that like a little easter egg that i'll give you guys is that i took a page out of stanley's the late great stanley uh his stories in that you know how he used to his villains and his superheroes their names are a lot of not all but a lot of the characters had uh their initials were the same so spider-man's real name was peter parker pp uh uh the hulk is bruce banner bb and a lot of characters had this like similarity so i did something i played with that idea and what i did is my main character his initials are hh hector herrera and because i wanted like a spanish sounding name a hispanic sounding name rather and the good guys in the story have their initials are sequential so it's like like a a b if the name starts with an a their first name their last name will start with a b so you have like brand centron bc brooke salini bc miguel novino mn so the good guys quote unquote in the story that's how their initials work and the bad guys are in reverse and I'm not going to give you the names of any of the bad guys because I don't want to spoil it for you. But that's uh, just a little Easter egg for you guys. And a lot of the characters, actually, you don't even hear necessarily their last names in this uh, specific story. Some of them you might, uh, but most of them you probably don't. And, but, you know, when you do like, uh, when you create a story, you do like character buildups and like I have a uh, character cards for each of the characters and I put like personality traits and words that they normally say. And that's just like a tool and trick that you kind of pick up on from again, like listening to podcasts and reading uh, different like tips on writing and stuff like that so that you keep your characters consistent. So if one of your characters says, what up, what up dog? Like all the time, you don't attribute that what up dog to like a different character you know four chapters later like you make sure that that's the character that always says what up dog and you write something like that in his character card for example and for me it's it it was kind of cool to like visualize each of these characters so i i have an idea of or I, i wrote down like a height and weight and skin tone for each of them i know their ethnicities and it helps me like write in their voices when I'm writing. All right, so two more things I'm going to read for you guys. One is the back blurb, which is like the physical, uh, for the physical print copy, which by the time you guys listen to this uh, podcast should be out and available for you guys to purchase on Amazon. I'll link to it in the episode notes. Uh, but if not, it will be soon. And as of right now, as of the time that I'm recording this, episode you know the all of this is the book is available in digital formats wherever you normally uh, read your books whether it's a kindle or kobo or ibooks and i'll link to that in the episode notes 
but I'm going to read to you the back blurb that I came up with for the print copy. And it's, Hector Herrera is in his early 20s and aimlessly going through life, through the motions of life. He was living at home with his widowed mother and stepfather when he stumbled upon the ability to skip through time. Soon after finding out that he's not the only one, he's confronted with the opportunity to delve deeper into this newly found world by fighting against historical injustice. But to do so, he'll have to leave behind everything he's ever known. Dum, dum, dum. That's just part of the back blurb. And let me read you guys what the like post on the book, book description uh, is. Which is what you'll see like on Amazon or on different sites when you go to purchase the book. And I wrote, what could be more right than correcting a wrong? That's the decision that Hector Herrera finds himself in circa 2015 when he taps into the ability to skip through time via his dreams. When you feel as if the world is changing around you, with or without your input, people like Hector are the architects of that change. Do they have your best interests at heart? That's a matter of perspective, and up to each and every one of us to decide. But ask yourself this. If you had the opportunity to toggle through time and righteously fight the injustices of the past, do you think you would rise to that challenge? And that is what the book description reads. Another fun fact uh, about writing the book is that I refer to uh, time travel as skipping, like skipping through time. And originally, and uh, throughout like most of, uh, of the writing, I was referring to it as hopping. And somewhere along the line, I was debating, because I slipped up and called it uh, skipping, and I was debating between using hopping and skipping because skipping like sounded better and kind of uh, uh, fit better with time travel, like skipping over, you know, segments of time going from point A to point B. And I was on the fence about it and I actually asked my wife uh, what she thought sounded better in reference to just like time travel in general, whether you hop through time or skip through time. And she said, skip. And I was on the fence and that kind of, uh, put it over the edge, <clears throat> but I had this, uh, cool storyline that tied into the hopping. And that was like the only thing that was, uh, still keeping me on the damn, I want to, I want to keep that, that store, that story is, uh, eventually, Eventually, it kept it in anyway, the story, but the it doesn't work as well as it did before with referring to skipping as hopping. And what the story is, which ties into something else that I, that I did throughout this book, is I used uh, like real historical events or, uh, or historical references weaved in through the story. Like, for example, there's a an event a, that... I got from a Netflix documentary called Hip Hop Evolution, where they're discussing the 
birth of hip hop and when it was in its nascent stages and you know guys like uh Curtis Blow and Grandmaster Kaz and a handful of others were playing around with this new sound this new music that they were inventing called hip hop on the documentary they touch on a blackout that happened back in the 80s 80s or 70s I think 80s right hip hop is uh, started in the 80s um but w- whatever uh, it was like a real blackout that happened in, here in New York City and it was around this time when hip hop was beginning to develop and there in the documentary they cite it as a turning point in the history of hip hop because during this blackout a lot of people broke into stores and looted and stole uh, uh, stole things, stole equipment. Um, and there was a, after the blackout, there was a, like a lot of hot musical equipment, DJing equipment, like amplifiers and turntables and microphones that were available for cheap because you know they were like all stolen shit. And that happened like it within the perfect storm of hip hop becoming a thing. And that helped amplify and proliferate this new sound. And then that snowballed into what eventually um, became the popularization of hip hop. Now, whether you believe that or not, that you know that was a turning point um in hip-hop you know certainly hip-hop uh certain uh, hip-hop historians and stuff like that do but what i did is take that incident that blackout incident and attribute it to this uh group of individuals in my book and i made it so that they were the ones that caused the blackout because they were they saw how the disco era never really ended and it uh, just became like annoying music and they were like underground uh, hip-hop heads that knew about hip-hop but saw that it never became popular and this was a way that they devised to help popularize it and they caused the blackout and then everything else that historically happened wound up happening and hip-hop became popular and disco wound up quote unquote dying so i like playing with things like that throughout the book and like the uh what i was referencing before that i that i wasn't that this uh storyline didn't work as well uh with the changing of hopping to hit to skipping is that I had this, like this whole like dialogue back and forth of how the reason why hip hop is called hip hop is because of the hopping part of like hopping through time and that's why it's called hip hop. So I wasn't able to use that, but the story still remains. And besides the story, I obviously when I started this book three years ago, I didn't know I was gonna have a son. 
I didn't even know that it was going to take me three years to complete. I didn't even know that it was going to become a novel. But it did. And I did have a son. And it means a lot to me to be able to uh, dedicate the book to him. Uh, Which I did. So my dedication is for Aiden. And then I have a quote on the page after the dedication page which ties into both the book and also my son being who the book is dedicated to. And is it so it's like a double it's a double as fitting. And the quote is from one of my favorite 80s movies, uh one of the probably best trilogies ever made in my opinion. And what's uh, widely regarded as, at least the first movie, as a perfectly written screenplay that's like studied in film schools, uh, which is Back to the Future. And in Back to the Future, George McFly, the father, tells Marty McFly, his son, when he accomplishes writing his first novel that when you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. And that's the quote that followed me dedicating it to my son. So I thought it was fitting on those different levels. And that, folks, is all I got for you. That is the story of how Fractal, a time travel tale, came to be. And I hope you guys check it out. And when And if you do, I hope you enjoy it and you like it. And definitely give me feedback. That's what I'm looking for here. Reach out to me on social media. You know, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Spun Today or on Instagram at Spun Today. You can email me directly, spuntoday at gmail.com or check out my website. There's a contact page on there. Definitely, definitely rate and review the podcast. I'm sorry, the book, the podcast also, but this episode is about the book, right? Fractal. Definitely rate and review it either on Amazon and or Goodreads. Uh, There's a landing page actually on my site, which I forgot to mention before that something else that you have to set up or that you should set up is a website specific to the book. So if you go to spuntoday.com forward slash books forward slash fractal, you will get to the landing page of my book fractal. And there's a sign up page there. If you decide to give me your email address and your name, I'll take it down and on, you know, keep you guys posted on developments with the fractal story and the whole fractal universe as it will be and you'll be the first to know when book two comes out spoiler alert this one ends on a to be continued and uh all that good stuff so i hope you guys learned something i hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the podcast and i'll uh continue sharing with you guys on my on my writing journey as long as you're willing to listen. Once again, this is episode 123 of the Spun Today podcast. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. Stick around for a few more minutes, listen to some tunes in the background, and uh, then check out some ways to help support the podcast. Me olvidé que la vida se vive un momento
De tanto querer ser en todo el primero Me olvidé de vivir Los detalles pequeños De tanto jugar con los sentimientos Viviendo de aplausos envueltos en sueños de tanto gritar mis canciones al viento Ya no soy como ayer Ya no sé lo que siento Me olvidé de vivir Me olvidé de vivir Me olvidé de vivir Would you like to receive a short email from me once a week? You know that feeling you have on a Monday at work when you have absolutely nothing to look forward to except for lunch? Have no fear, the Midday Monday Boost Letter is here. In this short weekly newsletter, you will receive five things. One is a photograph of the week from a photographer. A podcast of the week. I listen to tons of podcasts, dozens and dozens of podcasts, hundreds of episodes, and I cherry pick the best ones and I share them with you here. You'll also receive a video of the week, which could be anything from a rap battle to a TED talk. You receive a quote of the week, something to let marinate in your mind, and a word of the week so that you and I can both step up our vocab. So if any of that sounds of interest to you, check it out check out the subscribe page at spuntray.com forward slash subscribe drop in your email address and you'll receive the very next one for any writers or creatives out there i have a questionnaire it's a five question questionnaire that anyone is free to fill out it's located at spuntray.com forward slash questionnaire and what it is is five open-ended questions related to your craft It's things like what inspires you to write or create whenever you don't feel the inspiration to do so. What are your favorite apps or tools or tricks to trick yourself into getting into the mind state of actually creating? What inspires you, et cetera, et cetera, stuff like that. And what I do with your responses is share them on a future episode of the podcast. Now you can choose to remain anonymous. If you choose to, you have that option right there when you fill out the questionnaire. And if you do not choose to remain anonymous, I give you a shout out on the podcast and promote for free whatever it is that you have going on. So I appreciate you in advance for sharing that with me, as well as the rest of the listeners of the Today podcast, which would stand to gain from you filling out the questionnaire. Now, you can help support the podcast in a myriad of ways. One way which does not cost you anything and is most popular within the podcasting community is by shopping on Amazon using my affiliate links banner. So the way that works is you go to spontaneity.com forward slash affiliate links or just click on the affiliate links tab at the top center of the page. And there you will see a banner for Amazon. You literally just click on that and it takes you to Amazon's website where you do your shopping like you normally do. It does not cost you anything extra. 
but Amazon will give me a kickback just for driving traffic to their website. So that would be a big help. It literally costs you nothing extra financially, just costs you a couple of extra clicks of your mouse before you do your Amazon shopping. The iTunes banner that's on that same page works the same way. So if you're purchasing music or movies or whatever it is on iTunes, feel free to go through my affiliate link portal there as well. If you want to make a one-time uh, PayPal donation, feel free to do so. There's a PayPal donation button on there as well. Within that same tab, you'll also find a link to the Spun Today Viral Style store. Now, the Viral Style store is a store where you can get Spun Today merch, whether it's a coffee mug or a t-shirt that I personally designed. And spoiler alert, I'm no, I'm no Ralph Lauren or, you know, whoever designs Gucci stuff. <laughs> but... I did create the design of those shirts myself. I have a couple t-shirts on there. One that says, for example, right need every day, which is a playoff of Snoop, Dre, and Nate Dogg's smoke weed every day. So it's right need every day. It's like a puff cloud of smoke behind it. I have a podcast versus everybody t-shirt and uh, just stuff like that. So check it out. The link to the viral style store is also there. You can also help support the podcast on a reoccurring basis if you become a Patreon supporter. Now, Patreon is pretty cool, and it there's a little um, video explanation of what it is and how it works, but I'll try to do my best to summarize it here. Basically, you sign on to Patreon, which is a free service for your account, and you can support not just myself, but any other uh, podcasters or creatives that also have Patreon pages. And you can choose to, for example, donate a dollar to them on a per episode basis. So the Spun Today podcast has two uh, episodes a month. So if you donate a dollar to it, it'll be $2 a month, basically. And you set it up and it just happens automatically on a reoccurring basis. There are zero fees. You can cancel at any time. No hassle, no bullshit. And it's, uh, it's a cool way to help support and is much appreciated. And also, it's not just like a, for example, uh, a PayPal donation, which is just that. But through Patreon, it allows the creator, in this case being myself, to set up a reward system, if you will. So if you donate a dollar per episode, you are considered a tier one supporter. If you donate $3 per episode, you are a second tier supporter, et cetera, et cetera. And it goes up to four tiers. And each tier gets different things. Like uh, tier one gets a free Spun Today bookmark and a shout out on the podcast. Tier three gets uh, gets those two things from tier one, as well as a free writing piece that's not posted on, on my website or available to anyone else, et cetera, et cetera. So check that out if you will and uh, visit my patreon page at patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash spun today another great amazing way to help support the podcast is to rate and review it this costs you absolutely nothing whether you listen on itunes on stitcher on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, on pocket casts on overcast on player fm on google play on youtube on tumblr or if you listen on Podbay or any other of your favorite podcast apps. 
please rate and review the episode. It really is the number one way to help the show gain traction, gain exposure. You know, you could also share it with friends or family and tell them, yo, check out what this idiot is saying. Some of it is actually pretty good or it all fucking sucks and you should listen and laugh. But as long as you're listening, (laughs) it would be much appreciated. So rate and review the podcast wherever it is that you listen. Follow me on Twitter or on Instagram at Spun Today. Like the Facebook fan page at facebook.com forward slash Spun Today. Subscribe to my YouTube page as well. All podcast episodes are available on YouTube as well as clipped versions. For example, with the Random Rant episodes, you know, I speak about a bunch of different topics instead of having the full episode alone, which is also available on YouTube. But you also have snippets of the different topics broken up into more digestible chunks. So check that out. You can also support by checking out my book, Make Way For You, Tips For Getting Out Of Your Own Way. It's a quick, short read if you're looking for some inspiration and motivation. And you can find out more about it at spuntray.com forward slash books. There you'll find a video of me telling you all how the book came to fruition, as well as a couple of audio excerpts. If you're interested, you can purchase it wherever books are sold. Kindle, iBooks, Kobo, an ebook or paperback format, which you can find on Amazon. Also, for being a Spun Today listener, I can also send you a free copy. Right there on that same landing page at sponsor.com forward slash books. Drop in your email address at the bottom of the page and I'll shoot you over a copy in the format of your choice. And that's all I got, folks. Thanks again for checking out this episode. And as always, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening.